Hey everyone, I'm Ron Johnson, and this is the Locked On Sports Minnesota Podcast Network, and this is the roundtable. It's a Friday, it's snowing outside, but it's a nice snow. It's not windy, it's not cold, but the coats are coming to town. The coats are coming to town. I feel like, I don't know what that's for. I know Sam or Luke might know, Gabe might know. What was that for? Was that the red coats were coming? Was that like a, the, the Paul Revere or something? The British what? are coming? The British One if by land, two if by sea. Yeah, but the coats are coming to town, and... On today's show, of course, we got Gabe Henderson joining us from the Vikings. That's the VEN face of the Vikings. You hear him on all the greatest hits. You hear him Friday on the Vikings podcast. Check that out this Friday with myself, Gabe Tatum Everett. Uh, good show. Talked a lot about the coach and what they have coming up. We got Luke Inman from Superior Sports Talk. And then we got Sam Ekstrom, of course, producer of everything locked on, but more importantly, the Ron Johnson show. And as we jump into this, fellas, um, 10 and 3. 10 and 3, I've been listening to a lot of radio, a lot of, you know, Fox Sports, NBC, you know, Dan Patrick show, everything. Everybody from left to right, from east to west, from north to south is concerned about the Vikings. But today they are three and a half point favorite, three point favorites. Some books, depending on where you look, bet online. Sam will have that coming up soon. But a lot of people are picking the Vikings for this one. They like the Vikings versus the four, eight and one coach. So I'll start here with you, Luke. What's the best case scenario for today's game? We'll circle back around and do the worst case. But what's the best case scenario or the worst? You know what? Let's do it together. What's the best case and worst case scenario for this Vikings versus Colts game? Yeah, I mean, the Vikings haven't won a game by more than one possession in 13 games. So, obviously, best case, blowing out the Colts, showing the public that they can beat a team in all three phases for four quarters at home versus a team that's struggling. And just have that get-right game and vibe to it, just for the Vikings' confidence and morale again. Start building some momentum heading into the playoffs. Worst case, obviously, you'd be to lose. And I'll say this. Vikings have lost six in a row to this team. They haven't beaten the Colts since 1997. Ron oh. was still going through his recruitment letters as a three-sport athlete back in high school back then. That's how long it's been. <laughs> so the Colts, for whatever reason, I don't know why they got this team's number. The last two games specifically, they've beaten the Vikings by a combined score of 45 points. They've been blow. It's not even close. So every year's different. This Colts team is struggling. I get it. But that Colts defense still rock solid. Their interior defensive line, Huge mismatch, I think, in my opinion, against Bradbury and Ingram. And we've already seen this defense just make every quarterback lately look like a pro bowler. So I know everybody wants this to be the get-right game for the Vikes. I promise you, the Colts offense is probably watching the tape all week saying, this is our get-right game, too, against this Vikings defense. So losing this game, showing zero signs of improvement just in any in-season adjustment schematically from Ed Donatel. That would be the worst-case scenario. You go into next week probably completely deflated, losing two in a row, looking just kind of lifeless on defense, no signs of hope for any improvement on that side of the ball for the playoffs. Without seeing, again, I think all week the talk of the town has been seeing some schematic adjustments and play calls from Ed Donatel's defense. Gabe, what you got? Yeah, look, you had, you had all that on the head. I thought those were all great points. I think just to add to that best-case scenario – would be just establishing the run game. Um, mm -hmm. we, we've seen the pass game last week um, be at its best that it's been since Kirk has been a Vikings quarterback. So we, we know that can work, but can we have a 200-yard rushing game or 250-yard rushing game? That, that's best-case scenario against a defense that is a 21st run defense giving up 121 yards per game. So can we establish our own dominance? That's been the, the 
the big, I guess, question mark on this Minnesota Vikings team. When you go back to uh, Dan Campbell last week, he said, we know how to beat the Vikings. They're not a physical team. So can you reverse that narrative, run the ball, control the trenches on the offense and defensive side of the ball, and then get out of there with a convincing win? And I believe on the, 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 the worst case scenario is, uh, I mean, I know it's easy to say, but it's losing, right? Like every single week this, this year, um, we've had a bounce back game after a loss and all of our, our losses, we've had a short week the following week. So, I mean, if you take another L to a Colts team and you, you know, let the Colts have a, have a Saturday special in uh, U.S. Bank Stadium, that, that's not going to be um, a recipe for success. Like you, you, you have to win this game. And I think you have to win this game using some style points. I mean, any, anything more than nine points is a, is a great win for this Minnesota Vikings mm-hmm. team. You, you, you got to start winning decisively in December, Des- decisive December. That's my, that's kind of like my mantra for this Vikings <laughs> team, decisive December. If you can I do like that, that, I think you'll, you'll have a really good chance of starting to change the narrative. So uh, you, you can't lose this game. That'll, that'll be worst case scenario. And we'll have to start, you know, watching, you know, Ron's hometown team, the lions and saying, okay, are they, are they going to lose? Is this the week? You, you, you want to control your own destiny, so we, we should be able to do that this week. I like the style points. They need to go out there convincing win, but with some style, a little bit of swag at home, and get yeah. some confidence going for the playoff run, too. I like that. What you got, it was, Sam? It was supposed to be the Jets game. That was supposed to be the style points game. <laughs> mm-hmm. When you take a 20-3 to lead, it looked like that was going to be the day, and instead it came down to, to a play at the one-yard line and then a red zone interception. But the best-case scenario happens if the Colts just are the Colts. Because the Colts are not a good football team. They turn the ball over abundantly. They don't run the ball well anymore with Jonathan Taylor. Their defense is porous. If the Colts do the Colts thing, I think the Vikings win this game handily because the Vikings have so much more talent on the offensive side of the ball. I don't think the Colts can make the Vikings pay on defense uh, the way that other teams have, like the Lions. That being said, the worst case scenario is a 2020 repeat. No, I'm not talking about the Colts game in 2020. That was ugly. I'm talking about the Falcons game in 2020. That was with Matt Ryan at quarterback. That was with an interim head coach, Raheem Morris. Matt Ryan comes into U.S. Bank Stadium with the winless Falcons. Throws for 371, four touchdowns, no picks. And the Falcons win 40-23. to So that's what Matt Ryan is capable of. Even on a bad team, he's got MVP cred. He's been to a Super Bowl. He has the high ceiling ability to step in and do that on any given day. It's not going to happen most weeks, but he does have enough history in this league to, to at least be a threat to do that. So I worry about sort of the rogue, one-off, crazy good Matt Ryan game that could burn the Vikings. Ooh, I like that. This is where I'll go with it. So best case scenario, Vikings win and blow them out. So I'm kind of on board with everybody else. It has to be a blowout win, but not only a blowout win. The best case scenario is Justin Jefferson repeats because we've seen him do big games and then kind of fall off and, and just slump back into four catches, you know, 75 yards. Uh, if he can repeat, repeat, that's the best case scenario. Justin Jefferson goes for like 150 plus yards 200 plus yards in this game one or two touchdowns we see a double gritty that's best case also Kirk Cousins throws for 400 yards is a lot that's a lot to ask for somebody to do back to back but Kirk Cousins throws for another 
300 yard game uh, and 300 clean, meaning he didn't get hit a bunch. He wasn't throwing for his life and ducking cover like he's throwing grenades. That's best case scenario there. Worst case scenario is the Vikings lose. And not only do they lose, they look like they got out coached by a guy named Jeff Saturday. And getting out coached by Jeff Saturday is not a good look, but also the Lions win. The Lions beat the Jets because Mike White, we know his ribs are hurting. And we know that they haven't even really named Zach Wilson the backup right now. Like, I don't know what's going on with the Jets, but it's crazy. So if Mike White's ribs hurt, the Lions now are walking in. It's You don't even need to take a kneecap. Just take a rib. Like, forget taking his kneecap. Take a rib because this guy's already hurting. He already got absolutely murdered. If you ever want to see a dead body, watch the Bills-Jets game when Mike White got hit. That's like I felt like I was watching Boys in the Hood, and 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 he was like, "Hey man, you want to see a dead body?" Like I, I literally felt like that moment because like when I saw him get folded like a lawn chair, oh my goodness! And so the Lions win and they win convincingly against the Jets because the Vikings did not win convincingly against the Jets, and then the Vikings lose. That's the worst case scenario there. Like the Lions look really good versus the Jets, and the Vikings lose to the Colts. That's the worst case scenario. Like that's 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 it for me. But we yeah, do he, have a word from Bet Online. Oh, what you got, Gabe? What you say? Yeah, yeah, I was about to say, yeah, he got folded like a to-go box, Mike. Mike <laughs> White, that was that was crazy. So, uh, yeah, I, that that was hilarious. You say just take a rib. I'm with you though. Like just just take a rib at this point. Hey, because he's hurting. But we do have a word from Bet Online before we get on more about this Vikings game. We've got a word from Bet Online. Yeah, let's look at that Lions-Jets line. The Jets are favored by one and a half at noon on Sunday. The Vikings are favored by four at noon on Saturday. You can get all those lines and more at your number one source for trends, news, analysis, lines. It's betonline.net. They've also got great sports podcasts as well. You can track NCAA football, bowl game lines, NFL lines, all the way through the regular season and playoffs, NBA, and college basketball as well. Vikings line's been really steady this week. Not like that topsy-turvy Lions line last week. It's been Vikings minus four, and that's how it stayed. Money line minus 195 if you want them to win outright. Find that at betonline.net on your mobile device. It's betonline where the game starts. So that was all good points, fellas. We, we, got, we got that out the way about the coach. Best case, worst case scenarios. So now we have to move into a coach topic that took the nation by storm. The Jim Ursay team of people didn't even go out and try to figure out because you don't. That's the thing people don't understand too. In the middle of the season, after you fire a coach, you don't go hire a new coach. Like let's get that straight. Normally, you just have an interim guy on the staff. So even to bring in Jeff Saturday, and he didn't bring him in. He was already a consultant on, on the team. So I think people are forgetting the fact that he was a, con, a, a weekly consultant. He worked for ESPN, but he was a consultant, so he was in the building. Uh, he was actually around. It's like Mike Pettin, you know, being a consultant on the staff like if Mike Pettin were to take over in some type of role this year it would not be unheard of it's just that we know his name more because it comes up here but Jeff Saturday had been a consultant for the coach all season so naming him interim head coach do you think that was a good idea or a bad idea for Jim Irsay to hire Jeff Saturday let's start with you Sam it was very unorthodox and that's why it caused a lot of a lot of ripples because there were people on that staff that probably had aspirations of being a head coach mm -hmm. that did not get a chance um, and were jumped in line by someone who, you know, is prominent on TV, has a big name. And the optics there 
aren't great because it does overlook people that put in the work and toil during the off season and, uh, you know, went to the combine and, and helped with the draft and helped with training camp. There's just, there's a lot of work put in that Jeff Saturday didn't have to put in. So I totally get why people would rip the move, um, and be upset. Now, Ron, I think you're going to get to this. You know, mm -hmm. there are other factors at play. Like maybe Jeff Saturday had expressed a desire to, uh, be on that staff at some point. And maybe they, they felt like in their discussions with him, that he'd be a great leader of that team. You don't always need to be the best tactician to be a head coach. You need to be a leader of men. You need to be a manager of people. Um, and mm -hmm. if he came in and was able to delegate responsibilities and empower the staff around him, uh, he might actually be a great head coach and a great manager. I just think that, that people look at his lack of experience as a coach and say, well, he doesn't know the X's and O's. Well, he played a long time, right? So that's something that you can you can fairly easily, I think, come in and, and understand. So I'm actually I'm kind of on the fence about this, Ron. I'm I can see where people would dissent, but I also I, I can see where maybe the Colts would like to to ex experiment with this move as well. What you got, Gabe? Yeah, um, I, I'm still not really a huge fan of it, simply because you know there's I, I just keep thinking of Gus Bradley, the the Colts defensive mm -hmm. coordinator. Just the the effort and the the how how players get behind him, like how was he not a an obvious choice? Like I'm I'm not in that building, but at the same time, you know Frank Reich, offensive minded guy, the offense wasn't working, defense was working, so it's just like okay, well you're an offensive guy, you, you don't have this thing figured out, so we're just going to get rid of you, and then we're going to bring in a defensive guy, and hopefully that changes the entire vibe. The fact that they brought in a guy from the outside, or you know I guess he was a, the coach consultant. The fact that, you know, he wasn't actually a part of his staff, um, I think that's the the most baffling thing right now. But even if, you know, Jeff Saturday, you know, what is the even, – even though now he is the this interim head coach, I, I figure Peyton Manning will be the offensive coordinator. Like this this coach team <laughs> still does not have an offensive coordinator. So um, it, it's, it, was, it was a little baffling. But, you know, at this point, I guess they needed a breath of fresh air, someone outside the building that could, you know, kind of rally these troops and – hopefully get some wins and, you know, it hasn't really worked out for him, but at the same time um, that there are still more qualified coaches. And um, I was reading an article um, earlier and it says, you know, you know, the NFL and the Colts, you know, when they get, I guess when the season is over, they have to go through the entire head coaching search process. So the Rooney rule, they have to bring in um, two African-American head coaches and interview mm -hmm. them. So like there's a process, you know, a, a due process that is going to happen soon. Um, so that's why I didn't really overreact to this interim head coach. But, yeah, it, it, it was a little baffling. What you got, Luke? Yeah, Gabe and Sam touch on some good points. I was shocked when they plugged him in over some obvious other choices like Gus Bradley. John Fox, yeah. too, is on that coaching staff. I mean, those guys have already been head coaches in the league. They've already had a lot of success, and I think they have a combined like 77 years of NFL coaching experience. So to just kind of leapfrog them like they did, I thought that was a head-scratcher. I talked to Jake Arthur from Lockdown Colts yesterday. He said a lot of people were disappointed in the move initially, but now that the dust is kind of settled here a little bit Saturday has done some good things brought their identity back a little bit they're playing better defensively they're running the ball again the last three four weeks with Jonathan Taylor he said schematically hasn't really made any drastic changes but the splits when you look at the splits rushing the ball since he's taken over 
kind of night and day. Taylor's back to averaging almost 100 yards every game over the last four games. And I think a lot of that has to do with their offensive line getting healthy for the first time. They're plugging in the same five guys every week. But certainly, I think Jim Irsay deserves some criticism for that hire, especially, again, given the guys they already had on the staff and the fact Saturday was likely never going to be a long-term solution or possibility either. Because even if he finishes the season you know, on a run, or gets hot right here at the end, I just highly doubt he'll be back with the Colts as a head coach next season. Yeah, well, here's where I go with it, and Sam kind of alluded to it. So last night, of course, we had uh, we dropped the pot with uh, Cato June. Mm. He's the assistant linebackers coach, inside linebackers uh, for the Colts. And uh, to have a coach firsthand tell you this, and then after talking to Cato, I was like, you know what? You mentioned a lot of names of guys I know. And so I looked on the staff and I and I did not realize how many players, because this is what Cato June pointed out. They had so many former players on staff bringing Jeff Saturday in actually made sense. Because if you have John Fox, John Fox is there as a defensive uh, assistant. John Fox has been a head coach. Do you just make John Fox interim head coach? Well, how much success has John Fox really had? At his age, how can John Fox really get a guy like Jonathan Taylor to play for him at the point where now we're four, eight and one, and we've already kind of given up. Um, I, I think what, what Jim Irsay was looking for a guy that can just ignite a fire, get guys to play for him right away. And a guy that understands the coach way, the Super Bowl way, the winning way, the Tony Dungy culture, um, and, and can convey that message to the players. And you look at Reggie Wayne on staff, a guy coach, you look at Cato June on staff guy play with and against, uh, you look at uh, Mike Mitchell, a guy that played there. You got Scotty Montgomery, a guy that played, a guy that I know. Uh, you got Ron Milas, who's been all over the NFL, been in the college ranks. Ron, when I was 1997, because I know Luke brings up the last time the Colts, the Vikings beat the Colts. 1997, Ron Milas was at Washington. And he invited me out to a game at Ohio State because I was in Detroit. I was already traveling. He's like, hey, we're going to be playing Ohio State, Washington versus Ohio State. The Huskies traveled into the – I got to stand in the tunnel. I got to see Eddie George, who at that time I felt like was bigger than the world because I was 6'3", 200 pounds. And this dude was just a massive human being at 6'3", but he was probably 230 in college that looked like he just lifted weights for no reason. And so when I started to look at all these pieces of the puzzle with the coach coaching staff, I'm like, it makes sense. It makes sense for the guys there. You look at the older coaches. Well, will the older coaches listen to another old coach? Probably not. But you know who they'll listen to? They'll listen to a guy that's won a Super Bowl that played with Peyton Manning's hand under his butt for who God knows how long. And uh, the guy that understands every check, every offensive move, every blocking assignment. Um and so when you think about it, it's just ends like Gabe said, it's an interim. They're going to have to do the coaching search. I think Jim Mercer was just like, look, this is the I, this is the way to get the least amount of blood on my hands, but also drive ticket sales. Because let's forget, it's not, it's, it's not just about winning for an owner. He wanted to drive ticket sales. How can I drive ticket sales? Let me do something splashy. Like if I just make John Fox my interim head coach, nobody's coming to the games the rest of the year. If I make Jeff Saturday my coach, I'm national news again. Free agents are like, oh, man, this guy is progressive. You know, young coaches. I have a feeling he's going to hire a young coach. I mean, there's rumors Mike Tomlin could be a trade possibility for some of these teams. Tony Dungy, Mike Tomlin, former two first-rounders. There's been trades before for a coach. Belichick, it worked out. 
So I would not be opposed to that. And and so the thing with Jeff Saturday, yes, there were more qualified guys. Uh, there were a lot of other guys. But for people to think it would have been somebody outside of the organization, that's just dumb. That's just dumb. There's no way you can interim hire somebody outside the organization. And I think that's why that was an easy fit. So that's my two cents there. Mm -hmm. uh, but moving on, it's basketball season, people. It doesn't feel like it because the Timberwolves are not doing what we thought they would do. They were who they thought they were. They are who we thought they are. I don't know how it goes in basketball and the season's not over yet, but they were who we thought they were. Um, the Timberwolves team and Gabe hoops. So Gabe knows this. The Timberwolves team has a problem. They have two bigs, but they don't have spacing. And if a big is trying to drive in Carlin D towns, it doesn't work. And so when you think about this, the Timberwolves are plummeting without Carlin D towns and are they in danger of missing the playoffs? But other than the playoffs, does this team fundamentally work together? Because Anthony Edwards wants to drive, but how can he drive with two bigs in the lane? Because you're bringing two more bigs in the lane. That's four people in the lane plus the guy pushing them in. doesn't work. Gabe knows. We've hooped together. you got to spread the floor out. you got to spread the floor, and you got to have shooters. That's what they're lacking. They're lacking somebody that can dot the I and cross the T whenever they get to the three-point line. And that's their fundamentally out. But let's start with the question, though. I'll start with you, Luke. Are the Timberwolves going to miss the playoffs? I mean, when you look at the playoff projections, especially now you've got a few teams exceeding expectations, the Jazz, Blazers, Kings. You already know the Warriors, even without Steph for a few weeks, they'll be in it at the end. Grizz, Pelicans, Nugget. That's seven, eight teams alone that look a lot better than what the Wolves are doing right now. And here's what I'm the most worried about. First few weeks was... Okay, how long is it going to take to figure out what they'll look like with Cat and Rudy? Then four weeks later, it was, okay, how are we going to win without Cat? That takes time. And then a few weeks from now, right when they're finally figuring out this chemistry without Cat, he'll be back again, and they'll have to figure out the whole thing all over again. So while every other team in the league is just gelling together, the Wolves will have gone back and forth and back again with that starting five, the strategy so many times, and all that stuff just takes time. The other thing, and maybe you guys can help me out with this, that just continues to boggle my mind is they're up at halftime playing good and the third quarter comes around they just dismantle and forget how to play basketball Wednesday versus the Clippers great example they're up five they come out and get toasted the rest of the way they lose by 11 and it happens almost every game I don't know why Finch is maybe getting out coached at halftime but it's a major problem goes all the way back to last year too you remember the playoffs versus the Grizz they ranked 29th out of 30th in third quarter scoring margin this year. Something teams are doing with halftime adjustments or Finch isn't doing is causing these massive letdowns. It's hurting the team. It's turning legitimate what should be wins into losses consistently every week. So, yeah, I think they're in trouble unless they can figure it out soon. I don't care when Cat comes back. They'll still face the same struggles they have been under Coach Finch we've seen as of late. But what do you think about the third quarter struggles? Is there something that you can actually put your finger on and say this is an issue? Hmm, It's a good one. It's good. I feel like I feel like I mean it's kind of like the Vikings in a nutshell, right? Like, it you know, is the Minnesota <laughs> thing. It. Like it's um, adjustments. Like teams come out and they make adjustments. This is how they want to play us. And, um, and for me, as long as Rudy Gobert can't shoot threes, <laughs> like it, it's it's, it's going to be tough for this Timberwolves team. So it, it's like Ron said when you when you have two bigs on the court and then one guy is just there just to play defense when it's offense when I mean, your offense is basically four on five you know mm -hmm. like he's good in screen and roll like he's good at you know doing certain things you know being a rim protector but like outside of that i, I i'm not a fan of this trade like i was never a fan of this trade like especially especially for what they gave up like yeah rudy gobert is the reason why kevin durant is still in brooklyn right now 
Like it, mm-hmm. you have to give up that amount of picks and that um, that amount of um, um, I guess tra- you have to give up that that package deal in order to get a guy mm-hmm. like Kevin Durant. So the mm-hmm. fact that Rudy Gobert set that market, I I I, I still to this day think the Timberwolves lost this trade. Hopefully, you know, this offseason Gobert can get a jump shot or, you know, shoot from 10 to 12 out, but it, it, it's tough right now, and I don't I don't see that changing. Like, yeah, they, they, they may make the playoffs, but they'll, they'll probably be in that play-in game similar to last year before they actually, you know, be able to get into a series. So, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm not yeah, I'm not a fan of it. Well, on, on one hand, Luke, you know, you mentioned trying to find the chemistry with Towns, and there was a stretch just before he got hurt where they rattled off five in a row, and you thought, man, maybe they're they're turning a corner here with this. Um, but it's a shame that without Towns, Gobert is not a guy that can elevate them offensively. That's clear, and Gabe mentioned that. But you know what? what a lot of people aren't talking about, too, and maybe are starting to whisper more about, is that their attempts to replace... Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt, um, mm-hmm. Pat Beverly, all fell flat. I mean, Bryn Forbes was supposed to be the Malik Beasley replacement. He's been woeful as a shooter. Malik Beasley was instant energy off the bench. Jared Vanderbilt was instant energy off the bench. I don't know if they're getting that, you know, from Austin Rivers. Um, they're not getting a. They're getting a little bit from Kyle Anderson. He's been all right in the starting lineup. But what carried them last year when when some of their scorers were down? The energy and the defense of Vanderbilt and Beverly and the shooting of of Beasley, they don't have complementary pieces to pick them up this year. So if Edwards isn't focused, if Russell is having one of his Russell games, they just don't have anyone to lift them from Mm -hmm. the muck and mire of sort of a stagnant night. Um, and that's what I miss most about uh, last year's team is just that ability for everyone to just kind of hustle their way back into a game. Yeah, so for me, when you look at the NBA standings, and I think Luke pointed it out, so just to answer the question and not even beat around the bush, um, I don't feel like they make the playoffs. I really don't. Uh, I totally agree with Gabe. Like when that trade happened, I liked it at first. Like on paper, I'm like, oh, man, it seems like the fit because Carl Anthony Towns – can now be out of foul trouble. He's not going to have to guard bigs, X, Y, and Z. But when you look at the teams in front of them, now we do know the play-in. And so they might be able to get into the play-in, but I'm talking about true playoffs. Can they become an eighth seed? No. Like, I don't think they'll get to the eighth seed. Um, The Clippers look good. The Jazz are finally figuring out how to tank. I don't think the Jazz understood the assignment. Like, when we (laughs) traded Rudy Gobert, we get all these picks. We want to tank. Like, we want to tank so we can get a bunch of high picks and then – be ready for next year because they were number two, I think, in the league at one point uh, in the West. And then their their owner was like, wait a minute, dude, what are y'all doing? Like, <laughs> slow it down. <laughs> so they're finally figuring out how to tank. They're, they're figuring out how to lose some of these games. Um, when you look at now, they're five and five in the last 10. So they're, they're getting it. They're figuring it out. Um, but this is the problem. You got the Warriors at 10. The Warriors aren't going to stay at 10 for long. No. Like once they get healthy and get going, they're not going to stay at 10 for long. They're going to climb back. I'd say to get the number one seed, they're not going to get there, but they're going to be up in that three, four seed. And, and no matter where they're at, you, that's dangerous. The Suns. Uh, I don't know about LeBron and the Lakers like that one with AD. That one throws me off. But I feel like the Lakers could finish in front of the Timberwolves. Uh, Rockets, Spurs, Thunder. Yeah, they're going to stay in the bottom of the basement. And that's the problem with the Timberwolves. Like, do you want to be four or whatever, 12th? Or do you want to just go ahead and suck and be 15? The problem with that, 
You gave up the picks. <laughs> like, it doesn't even matter if you tank this year. That's the whole problem, and, I, and that's why I agree with Gabe. I never understood that because you weren't that good in the first place to feel like we need to give up picks. You might as well try to get another high draft pick. Go ahead and let go of D'Angelo Russell if you're not going to sign him. Like, I just don't like it. So do they get to the AFC? No. Can they get to the playoff play-in? Maybe, but that's eh. – they're not going to win when they're the 10 seed. Like, I think that's that's like a participation trophy in my opinion. Um, but everybody, too, make sure before we go to the next question, make sure you guys know on Roku and Amazon Fire, those apps on your TVs, you can actually search uh, Locked On Sports Minnesota. Search Locked On Sports Minnesota. Download that to your TV. You can get all the videos, all the shows. You can see Gabe Henderson looking presidential. He's got the Barack Obama, Nike, Tiger Woods hat on. You know, he's sitting there with the Christmas tree and the mirror. You know, he's looking presidential. So you might want to check that out, people. Uh, looking real good today. Uh, well, I'm trying to be like, trying to be like you, man. But moving on. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. I mean, you, you and Sam got the purple back lip. Like that's that's about that's about as good as it gets. Sam's got the fireplace going. You know, I feel like me and Luke are no. in the same category. Right yeah, now. what are we doing over here, Gabe? Sam? Sam <laughs> doing? like the voiceover. Like I feel like Billy D. Williams is gonna come out of the back and it like start singing the Christmas kit like that. Billy that late D. night Williams. Remember the late night when you be up and they try to sell you that CD. And your grandma's house, you know, it is on there, her on her TV late because she fell asleep. And it's like, you know, on these soft tunes, you can get the top 40. Yeah, you, you got, got people walking on a beach 99. late at night. Yeah. And then from like kid and playhouse party, be like, yo, can I borrow that? No, my brother, you're going to have to get your own. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's exactly what that fireplace is saying. I've got the dark back there. It's oh, yeah. He's got a bear, he's got a bear skin rug by the I, fire. Like, yo, oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. But moving on to the twins, uh, we talked about this on our show before. I already gave my opinion on what I thought was going to happen, and it happened. Uh, the twins missed out on Carlos Correa. I knew they weren't going to do it. And what happened? They made it, it, exactly what we said would happen. They're going to tell everybody they made a better offer. They did make a better offer, theoretically, in dollars per year. But this is the problem with the dollars per year. If I get hurt and I never play again, I don't get that money. So he's got like, I think it's $27 million more and it's a guarantee. It's like 350, whatever it is, out some dollars for 13 years, guaranteed. And they offered him like 280 million, whatever for 10 years. So yeah, their dollar amount was a couple million higher per year, like a million or two higher per year. But who cares about per year in baseball? Cause it's guaranteed. Like if you tell me, hey, you're gonna get 350, but you got to work for me for 13 years, or you can get 280 and you can only work for me for 10 years. What idiot is gonna say, oh yeah, let's I get 28 million, I get a million more a year? Like that's that's like that's like the the jack of the bean stock. Like you just bought beans. So moving on, Luke, they miss out on the on the Carlos Correa deal, man. What do you think about that? Yeah, I'm with you, man. I'm surprised everyone's so surprised, to be honest. Like, we talked about this last week it got brought up. I think Sam brought up the fact 
if you follow this team at all the last 30 years, you know that's not Twins baseball. I was shocked. They even offered him the 10-year 285 deal, to be honest. I would much rather use that cash on a few pitchers, spread it around to the rest of the team. Now, missing out on Rondon yesterday, that stings a little bit more now. But again, they're just not a team that's built to get into these bidding wars with these teams like the Giants and the Yankees. It's just not going to happen. And not a team that's also one player away, in my opinion. Dansby mm-hmm. Swanson's still out there. That would help soften the blow a little bit. And then there's a big drop-off and talent so they're gonna have to get creative now I guess or just hope guys like I don't know Kenta Maeda and a few others can come back to life next season it's not fun it's not exciting it's not splashy but it's also not surprising to see them miss out on these monster names in my opinion and I think it might be a blessing in disguise because these contracts now in baseball let's be real they're just getting ridiculous they're getting stupid and more times than not really end up hurting the team once you get into the second half of that deal people need to remember too this division this AL Central it's pretty bad. It's pretty weak. It's one of the weaker divisions out there in the baseball league right now. And the Twins can still salve this offseason if they got Dansby Swanson, maybe a tier two arm somewhere. Thinking guys like Miranda and Kirilov, et cetera, to take a step forward in their development. I think the Central's still up for grabs. My question is, and you guys let me know, Byron Buxton, mm-hmm. can that guy actually play more than 100 games? Dude's averaged, Ooh. averaged 61 games in the last five seasons, 61 mm-hmm. games. So to me, that's the bigger issue here. He's the engine that makes this team hum. You can spend 300 on Correa. That's great. But without Buxton batting next to him, I just don't think the risk would have been worth the reward. I really don't. Yeah, with Buxton, they are probably going to enter next year with him on a pitch count. And, and when I say pitch count, I mean like a game, right. a game count, sort of like they had him on last year. But they're going to try to get in front of the injuries next year because usually they play him he's great they play him every day then he gets hurt and then they start managing i think they're going to start managing right away i mean he might only play four games a week next year in efforts to keep him healthy later into the season they were just trying to get him to play a hundred games last year and that didn't work um but on the correa correa thing there was no way they were going to give out that that deal and in fact I'm I'm like like you, Luke. I'm surprised they were willing to go as high as 10 and 285. And frankly, if you're willing to go that high, I don't know why they couldn't have just added the extra three years and left it for <laughs> right. someone to clean up in 12 years, right? The GM mm. won't be around in 12 years. Let someone right. else handle that. But uh, digressing, I think that this front office will just play money ball now. I mean, th- these are analytically driven guys. They're going to try to find some veteran free agents that have value. They're going to try to find some arms that, you know, might have high upside. It hasn't always worked for them, but that's the way they're going to approach it. I think that's how they try to get the edge is they try to get pitchers and, and, and hitters on the cheap that might have potential, and then they just roll the dice. And I think that's how they're going to have to approach it now because a lot of the star power is gone from this market. Um, and the, the one thing you can hold out hope on if you're a Twins fan is just health. If your team can stay a little healthier than last year, it wasn't a bad baseball team until everybody got hurt, and then it was a bad baseball team. So get people healthy. You've got a new training staff this year and see if you can maybe string together some wins last, like you did last year before the All-Star break. Yeah, Gabe, what you got? Yeah, I think I'm, I'm going to keep this short just simply because of the fact that it didn't surprise me because Minnesota, just the state, is known for not keeping its stars, right? Like you look at Kevin Garnett or Randy Moss and now mm-hmm. Carlos Correa in this situation. It's I, I don't know what it is. It's like, you know, it's a great market. The people take care of you, great fan base, but for some reason, stars don't want to stay here. So 
Uh, when I knew his name was, you know, being swirled around, I'm like, yeah, it, it's about to happen. Like, it, it just, it's, it's inevitable at this point. So, um, not sure what needs to change to change that, but it, it, I mean, just coming into before I moved to Minnesota three years ago, like that was the first thing that came to mind. I'm like, man, this state just does not know how to keep stars. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like it's always a landing, like a, a launching pad for something else. So, we'll see, you know, if Byron Butzik can, you know, stay healthy. I know he's only played, like you said, 37% of, of games in the past five years, but you, you still got to bring in someone uh, to secure that shortstop spot or someone that can, you know, at least bring a good bat and, 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 and it's pretty solid. You got the money, clearly. Uh, you offered $285 million, but what can you do to, to actually keep your star here and keep him happy and actually play good baseball? So, yeah. Yeah, here's our go to. I'll finish it up real quick. Uh, Carlos Correa at 350 million is the highest paid, and that's current. I mean, everybody still gets some other deals going to probably come up. He's the highest paid shortstop, so I don't personally feel like he's worth that. And maybe because I, I like, I think guys have bigger names. Maybe if you look at Fernando Tatis Jr., uh, you look at Francisco Lindor, uh, you look at Trey Turner. Like the, I don't think the Twins, because if you look at the total they offered them. They offered him right below Trey Turner. So I think that's where they valued him. And then you look at uh the Padres uh Xander Bogerts, they they you know that's where they try to put him. He's at 280 million, and they're saying, you know what, your production, your age, um, this is where we think you are. And I think that's where the twins were going. Or sorry, they'd put him at right above him, 285 million. So I think that's where they were going. They were kind of looking at like, well, who do we think he's not better than Fernando Tadis Jr. right now? Um, so where do we put him? That's why I think the 350. I feel like it's one of those deals we're going to look back and be like, oh, that wasn't okay. Good thing we didn't get in on that sweepstakes because look, he hasn't done anything since. Um, And so I I, I was was just going to say, Sam, I know you know the stats. Like, is Correa really worth that much money? I mean, in Houston, he didn't have to be the guy. He didn't Mm -hmm. have to carry the team. He had a lot of surrounding talent around him. When Buxton went down and he had to carry this team and be the guy, to be honest, and who am I, right? Like, I can't hit a 98-mile-an-hour fastball. But, like, I just didn't think he was worth all the buzz from the production that I saw when I sat down and watched some of those Twins games. And then to see the contract that he got following that, what I thought was an above-average year, I guess, but for all the buzz and hype, mm-hmm. I thought came up a little bit short. Was he worth that much money, in your opinion? So, this is going to get controversial here. Is he that here. good? He, so if you look at some of the more advanced stats, like he's very much an OPS guy. So if you look at just yeah. average, you might not be blown away. If you add the the on-base and slugging, then the numbers are better. I will say this, though. Here's the controversial part. By far, his best year was the garbage can year, the cheating year in Houston. Mm. By far. So I'm just saying. What are you saying? Mu- I, I I'm just gonna let Sam you. Francisco better out. get those trash cans ready. He's saying, Sam, because that's what he's gonna need. Mm-hmm. Better call uh, Sesame Street and see if uh gold garbage dude can uh, lend you his garbage can. <laughs> what was the dude's Griffin. name? What was the uh, Grouch? Oscar? Grouch, yeah, yeah, Oscar the Grouch. I need to go get Oscar the Grouch T-shirt. That's what yeah. I need next. I got the Grinch. I got, got a couple. Grinch I got to get today. Yeah, tomorrow I think I'm gonna or not tomorrow, but uh, next week I'm gonna have all like T-shirt. I got like my. Uh, my frozen with uh, my man, the, the little snowman. My daughter's mm-hmm. gave me one of those for Christmas, so nice. yeah, I got my t shirt collection ready. So, here's a quick one, fellas. We got one we do at the end, we do have the over under for Gabe. It's just over under like Vegas, betonline.net. It's over under, so I got three over unders for you guys. Um, and, th- and those are just quick picks, you know, 10 15 seconds if you want to say something with it over under. But before we get into that, 
one last curveball controversial we're playing the coats so i gotta do it omaha had to change it up real quick <laughs> had to change it up real quick <laughs> hot route hot route hot route i don't know what that i is. don't know what that means um Skip Bayless and, and, and Shannon Sharp, we got to put this out in, in the waves because I want to get you guys out there. Let's put this out there. Let's tag Shannon. We can tag Skip in this when we put this video out. But Shannon Sharp and uh, Skip Bayless, whether it was for TV or not, didn't feel like it was for TV. Felt like Shannon was really pissed off. Definitely getting the ratings up, though. So maybe it was a plan. You know, Will Smith, Chris, Chris Rock smack. Who knows? <laughs> but for Skip Bayless to defend Tom Brady – by trying to diminish what Shannon Sharp did in his career as a Hall of Famer, one of the best tight ends ever, the first true flex-out tight end before Tony Gonzalez, before uh, Travis Kelsey, before Zach Ertz. And he said, like he even said, you're going to defend this man and, and diminish me? And he's like, I'll defend him to anybody, which is weird. It's kind of weird. What are your thoughts on that moment? Uh, let's go with you, Luke. I didn't see it. I heard okay. about it. I saw a few people tweeting about it, so I don't know the full context. I didn't see the full clip. Probably can't speak to it too much, but it sounds like, just from hearing what you broke down, sounds like just classic Skip being Skip yeah. and, uh, you know, kind of taking a, a low blow and pretty weak angle versus Shannon. And I saw Shannon take off the glasses. Yeah. That's all I saw. Yeah. Once I saw him take off the glasses, you kind of knew, like, Skip, you're out of your lane, bro. Like, like just take the L and move on. What you got, Gabe? Yeah, I haven't I haven't seen it either. I've just seen so I saw it on on uh, Twitter and I like looked at it and didn't click on it and didn't hear. But I I, I saw Skip's face turning red and then Shannon yep. sit up in a seat a little bit. So I'm like, yep. oh okay, this this must be some some serious. But like like Spinman just said, like Skip does this for TV. <laughs> like he I feel like he he knows his lane and he's just like, all right, well this is this is the route I'm going to go. And right. maybe he says something something out of bounds this time, but. It doesn't surprise me at this point. Like Skip, I, I barely listen to Skip Bayless. So. <laughs> it, it's good for your health when you don't. Yeah. Yeah. What you got, Sam? Yeah, yeah. yeah. gonna skip. I, I kind of have a hard time buying that that Shannon was really, really that upset because mm -hmm. he's worked with Skip for so many years. Skip is what I would call a radical opinionist. Right. He picks very polarizing positions and he digs his heels in, and he will argue them no matter what because yeah. he likes to be a heel. He likes to be the Grinch. Yeah, He is the Grinch robbing joy from others. I should and wear Skip on my shirt then. Yeah. Shannon yeah. knows this. Yeah, yeah, Skip with the uh, with like the Grinch skin <laughs> color. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I don't know if Shannon was really that offended because – He's heard Skip spout nonsense for years, so I it might have been a little bit for TV, but he did seem pretty worked up. So I right. I don't know. I don't want to say what was going on in his mind, but uh, yeah, Skip can't be taken seriously. Take everything with Skip. a grain of salt. There's got to be Skip. a little bit Skip. in there. Yeah. So we do a lot of debate TV. We do a lot of Vikings game day live. Gabe's been on the show. We've done a lot of like death stuff. This is what I'll say to this before we move on to the over under. Um, I I do believe. Shannon was a little bit pissed off, but not pissed off to the point where like he felt like, like, oh, I can't believe you did this. Mm -hmm. I think more so of don't try to diminish because he said Shannon Sharp was never as good as Tom Brady at the age Tom Brady's at. And I think that's <laughs> where he was trying to get under his skin. And Shannon's like, man, I played Tom 35. I did what I got to do. I'm okay. And he's like, you only played 10 years. I'm like, 
bro, only 10 years? Like, bro, I played three. Like, I would love to play 10 years. Like, get out of here with that. And, you know, and so I could see that because I've seen that argument happen a lot in sports media with athletes. Mm -hmm. Like, people that didn't play always when they're in a debate or even people that play when they're in a debate they all and they can't win with just straight facts and talking sports and leaving it with the people they always try to dig and get a little bit under your skin with something like that and skip does it a lot but i don't think he's ever done it in that like that way where he's like tried to make shannon you know like oh you're jealous of tom brady because he's playing at 45 you're just hating on him and he's like no he's having a bad season i'm not hating on him like he's having a bad like he's not throwing he's not great He's not having a good year. And whether it's Giselle or whatever was going on and worried about the karate teacher and who knows, but not having a great year. So I I just think like, and then what I did not like, and I agree with Charles Woodson on this, when Shannon takes his glasses off, I don't like the like, don't tell me to put my glasses back on. You know, as if like, you shouldn't be that mad. Put your glasses back on. Like that's, to me, that that just was like, that's where I can tell when that's Shannon too went far. Up, yeah, when you he went talk up about a man's glasses. Yeah. That man went yeah. from like a, a, a auto- to like a, a, a or from a base to like an auto like <laughs> falsetto he went yeah he went yeah. way up there like uh i forgot the new name gave her that song the like dream. yeah the dream yeah, yeah. In that falsetto ooh, ooh. like shannon jumped and then like hey let me talk because he was talking over him so i think that was a little bit out of pocket but whatever i, but I got- think it's all a bit i think skip took it to a new degree and a new level i agree with oh, you definitely but, a bit definitely but, you, you gotta get the clicks up i, I want to see some sam and ron skip and shannon bits going on i think you two need to get a little bit more heated once in a while <laughs> that's more where's, me and luke where's my glasses that's more of me I'll, and luke I'll, ron I'll, yeah that's I'll you and luke ron. yeah yeah luke yeah ron with uh with, with the Kirk cousins uh yeah. videos we haven't gotten yeah. to that yet so yeah. luke didn't come on last week mm-hmm. so I, got, I haven't got a chance to get at him he's scared he tried to say uh cam bynum went the wrong way on that fourth down play it's like dude he was a man coverage like sit down little man um (laughs) (laughs) like that's not a big deal he was in man coverage he wasn't even looking at the quarterback he's just covering his man because that's what he's supposed to do um because i mean think about it if cam bynum doesn't cover him he probably has a play where he can throw it back like oh this dude's wide open on the backside and we're like well we're not gonna go this is not the luke or luke uh Luke yeah, Luke Brown. Luke I don't know why I was going to say Luke in there. Don't like, get to it. Right here. Yeah, don't don't circle me into that. The last one, our game, it's over or under. The betting game that everybody loves. We're going to start with Luke, then go to Gabe, then go to Sam. I got three over-unders for you, all with the Colts-Vikings game. First over-under, Jesterton Jefferson goes for 116 yards. Over or under? He averages 115.3 right now. I'm going to say under. I hate to say I don't want to be this guy, but Colts secondary, actually low-key great. Stephon Gilmore still one of the best DBs in the league. Interesting to see if he shadows him or not. Sounds like he probably won't. He usually doesn't. But these Colts DBs and secondary as a whole rank third best against pass coverage. So Jefferson's still going to get his. You know KOC's going to drop some plays, but I'm going to take the under on that. Gabe? Yeah, I'm going to take the uh, over simply because uh, the Vikings know how to put uh, Justin Jefferson in motion and use him in different ways. And the fact that Kenny Moore is out, uh, their uh, back, backup cornerback is doubtful. I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name. Mm-hmm. Brandon uh, Fassion, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so he he's out probably also. So they're going to find ways not to match uh, JJ one-on-one, you know, all the time versus Stephon Gilmore. So I'll, I'll take the over. Sam? Yeah, for the same reason, I'll take the over. Julian Blackman is their new slot corner. And uh, I think that's going to be a matchup they'll exploit. So I'm going to go over. 
I'm going to go with the over because I'm going to be at the coach hotel tonight. And Ron Milas is a defensive backs coach. So I'm going to make sure to give him a couple shots because he just texted me and he said, he told me what time they're getting in. So I'm going to get him a couple shots to and say, hey, man, what, what coverage couple is he like going to do in just Jefferson? Them up. Yeah. A little cocktail. Yeah. Find out what coverage is so I can, when I get on the field, I can just tell Mike Patton, like, hey, by the way, Ron said they're going to go two-man most of the game. So whatever, you, whatever your two-man beaters are, get it going. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to go with the over, though. Uh, Matt Ryan. 275 yards passing. He's averaging 261 in 11 games. 275 yards passing for Matt Ryan. Over under. Let's start with you, Luke, again. I'll take the over. Vikings have averaged well over 400 yards allowed, obviously, the last five games. That's a new franchise record. They've made every quarterback look like a pro bowler. The last six, I believe, outside of Taylor Heineke, have all thrown for over 300 yards. He's got Michael Pittman, Alec Pierce, the rookie's looking good. I think if they get the running game going, the Vikings have to sneak up in the box a little bit. Matt Ryan will be able to take some shots to both those guys. I'll take the over. Gabe? I would take the under. I'm gonna take the under on this simply because I, I'm I'm uh, believing I'm I guess I'm sipping the Kool Aid on this Ed Donatel press conference. Um, he said, you know, things have to change. Giving up a lot of passing yards is not the new, it's not the uh, the identity of this organization. So I think we'll blitz a lot more, uh, which will force Matt Ryan to uh, gift wrap us some footballs for our defense and possibly a pick six. So I, I think he's uh, maybe two twenty five, two thirty. Sam. Yeah, you know, I think it could go a couple different ways. Like, I think he could go over because he's just having a really good game and the Vikings' pass defense isn't great. Or the Vikings could be playing from ahead, mm -hmm. forcing Matt Ryan to throw, and some of those could be garbage yards. So I am going to take the over um, and crossing my fingers, knocking on wood, that it's one of those, uh, you know, late fourth quarter prevent defense situations. Mm. I'm going to go with the under because as well, I think when you get in a press conference and say execution is the issue – I believe he's going to keep it simple, stupid. Like, I think he's going to try to make sure it's as simple as possible for his new corners, uh, guys like Duke Shelley, Cameron Dantzler, Illness. We don't know if he's going to go or not, but I think he's going to keep it simple. I think he's going to try to make it as simple because this offense for the coach is simple. It's not complex. So you don't need to overthink it, and I think it is. It's going to be getting after the quarterback, finding a way. I think Daniil Hunter, if he's healthy because we know he's banged up, is going to be unleashed. Hopefully his neck, I think, is what it is is okay, but he will be unleashed. If not him, you still got DJ Wanham. You still got Patrick Jones. So I, I, I definitely think they can get after the quarterback. And, and you got to – I think Eric Kendricks, I, I feel like him and if Harrison Smith plays, I feel like one of those guys are going to have a sack this one. Like it's got to be – you're going to see some stuff. Because when, when the media starts to ask a question, defensive coordinators remember that. And they're like, all right. Man, let's throw some dogs in here. Let's let's throw some blitzes. Hey, in hey here when you're at there. the hotel tonight, line up a third shot. Go find Matty Ice and give him a couple. <laughs> <laughs> give him all one. I think it's just gonna be me, Ron, Reggie, open tab, and open bar. Yeah, uh, probably Scotty Montgomery. Because last time Scotty Montgomery was here, it was with Maryland versus Minnesota. Joker Phillips, my former coach as well, mm -hmm. was the uh, receivers coach or the coordinator. No, receivers coach. Scotty Montgomery was the was the coordinator, and we all went out and we were went to. I mean, we went to some places. So it's crazy. Uh, uh, Scott, Scotty Montgomery recruited me when he was at Duke. So I'm about to say, I know wow. he was a coach at Duke. Yeah, really he played, yeah, played yeah. at Duke, and he was a coach at Duke. That's crazy. So, Wow. Yeah. Good Scotty's dude, my dude, guy dude. though. Every time Scotty comes to town when he's with the Lions, whoever, like Scotty likes to Scotty likes to get out. So I'm I'm looking forward to hanging out. But no, I already told both those. I think I said it on the podcast too. Like, I can't stay out late. My 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 daughter's having to sleep over tonight. My wife would kill me. 
if I'm out late. So I know I'm in there quick, have a little drink, have a little, you know, maybe an appetizer or something at the hotel. Flash to 3 a.m. Ron's on top of the last uh, He's locked right. up. Where's Ron? Where's Ron? <laughs> Wake up the next morning. starts in five minutes. Where's Wake Ron? up the next morning. Well, that's a good thing. If I'm still downtown, then I'm going to just go straight there. I'm going to keep a suit in the car. I'm glad you I got to keep a suit in the car just in case. Plan but I'll be looking at my phone the next day like, like uh the hangover like where the what like happened last uh, night like mike tyson was here like yeah, what yeah. when did peyton manning show up you know uh, like what the honey we own a tiger now all right that's all i'm gonna tell you <laughs> like i got a jungle cat yeah. it's a freaking tiger in the bathroom <laughs> the best lie ever before we get to the last one the best lie ever for me and maybe i'll get you guys next week with this or if you guys have one quick say it but my favorite line by far is when they come back after a full day of doing stuff and they're about to go in the room and he's like, there's a tiger in the back. He's like, oh, shoot, there's a tiger in the back. Like, you know, like it's like they forgot their keys. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So nonchalant, like, like not a oh, big deal. Shoot, there's a tiger in the bathroom. Like, yeah. it is like, like sneak in. It's like, right. yeah, he's like, are you gonna put pepper on the steak? Like, pepper, tigers love pepper. Mm -hmm. Like, what? <laughs> Like that whole little scene. Yeah. Oh, man. So good. True, true story. Know. When yeah. I was in high school, I learned how to play the Tiger song on piano that um like I can't remember. Yeah, that no was it oh, andy the, bernard what's yeah. the guy's name in the movie i yeah. just think of him as andy bernard. i know who you're talking about yeah. ed oh helms. yeah yeah yeah. the like, ed helms piano yeah. song i learned how to play that yeah Stu. um and i learned how to sing it too i won't sing Lord. it here but last quick one vikings defense has been averaging we know what they're averaging i think it's 400 yards a game but the vikings defense will 350 total yards per game or sorry this game 350 total offensive yards over and under luke well, I already said over for Matt Ryan, but I'm actually going to take the under. Oh, I wow. think at home, I think they get that pass rush going. Matt Ryan, we know, is just immobile back there. He can't move around. He's a statue. I think this pass rush gets after him a little bit, and I think they contain Jonathan Taylor as well. I'll take the under on that. Gabe? Hmm. 350, yeah. Ah, man. Was this offense or defense, like Ron? Offense. The Vikings' defense gives up 350 okay. yards to the Colts, over right. or under. All right. I'll, I'll I'll go I'll go under I'll go under I think um, Matt Ryan 220 passing yards and um, maybe they hold their their rushing attack to like 100 yards so yeah maybe like 300 330 so yeah I'll take the under I, th Damn. I think I gotta go over if I'm going over for Ryan I gotta assume that they're gonna at least collect another 70 or more rushing yards so I'm gonna go over I don't believe I'm gonna go in that defense. And this is why I'm going under. I'm going under because this team has been about collaboration since OTAs. The offense will collaborate and dominate time of possession. Mm. And I think the third quarter is going to be the key to this game this time. If you look at the third quarter, and we've already gone over this with Gabe on the Vikings uh, podcast. You guys will hear it tonight on KFAN. But the third quarter for the Vikings has not been great for their offense. But I think KOC is going to turn it around because they've only had 222 plays in the third quarter, which is 29th in the NFL. They've averaged 8.7 yards to go on every single play, average third down, that's 32nd. There's only 32 teams in the NFL, people. And then 3.3 yards game per play, which is 31st. And they've only gotten a first down 18% of the time or touchdown, which is 29th. And they've had 2.7% turnovers of all those 222 plays, that's 31st. I think KOC knows this. He knows the numbers. He's going to figure out a way to say, you know what, how do I become a, get a better third quarter? Let me replicate my first quarter. I think that happens this week. I think he dominates the time of possession, which keeps Matt Ryan off the field. 
So I'm going to go with the under. And now to do it for today's podcast for Locked On Sports Minnesota. That is our roundtable. That's Gabe Henderson, Sam Ekstrom, Luke Emmett. I'm Ron Johnson. I want to thank you guys for continuing to download, listen, like, share, and comment. Let us know what you think on our over-unders. You know the numbers. Justin Jefferson, you got Matt Ryan, and then you also have the Vikings defense giving up 320, uh, 350 yards over-under. You tell us. Give us your over-unders on Twitter. Tweet it. We'll respond. We'll tell you what we think. But have a great day and enjoy the snow.